Have you ever heard of a mocktail? I hadn't before speaking to my expert, and I'm a light social drinker at most. But now that I know you can substitute a little hard alcohol for a full-on dessert, gaining the benefits of fruits and losing the effects of inflammation, I'm certainly going to try it. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough Podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host, as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Amy Fox. Amy is a master nutritionist, a mom, and an endurance athlete. And the way she speaks about altering your diet makes more sense than any website I've ever read that advocates for a single diet. Instead, Amy looks at things through all these complex lenses to see what's just a fad, what will definitely work for some groups of people, and what just needs tweaks to attain success. She's not pushing any crazy agenda to compile a list of foods you now can't eat, instead offering her expertise on which things you could add more of to feel better. Make sure to give Amy some applause for still showing up and doing the show while sick on a week where I had three other guests cancel for the exact same reason. Let's make easy changes for easy weight loss. Welcome to the show, Amy Fox. Hello. Thank you so much, Colton, for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience? You bet. Um, So my name is Amy Fox, and I'm talking to you from Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a beautiful January gray day with lots of rain, pretty typical for Ohio. I'm a master nutritionist. I'm also certified in functional food. And um, these areas have really been my passion project and my and my area of interest for decades. Um, but I'm also a consultant, and so I wear a business hat and entrepreneur. I'm a mom as well as an endurance athlete, so I wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, congratulations on all that. What got you into working in the nutrition space? You know, I love that question because... To be honest with you, when I answer it, it changes just a little bit because I keep thinking about um, so many inputs in my life. But I have to say, um, the the funny thing is, when I was uh, a freshman in high school, I almost got kicked out of school for skipping gym class. I didn't know a thing about health, didn't know a thing about fitness, and I hated it. So it's just ironic that here I am, um, decades of informally approaching this and then formalizing it with my degree in areas of study. But I think back to that time in my life, and I was literally forced to um, do this gym class. And it's funny, after I was running and you know, you, you know, getting involved, I just remember feeling good and. Even in high school, I started to run. They called me Gump in um, in college, and I, you know, just kind of dabbled in in it. and And I think the reasons why is, you know, like most people that age, you know, young adolescent, um, I'm sure that I was uh, trying to find my way and dealt with like the normal pressures and challenges of being a woman, young girl, and woman in that time, and. 
I just know that it was just, just something I leaned on. It was like therapy, like medicine. Like I knew that I felt good when I used my body, when I made good choices about food. And as I grew up, I then um, started, you know, it was all around me because I, my mother was a type one diabetic. She passed away about two years ago. And so all my life, I grew up um, watching my mom deal with the issues that come with that and just her sense of confusion around how to fuel her body. It just, um, she'd go to nutritionists. She would, of course, she had her doctors, but she'd always come back and just not truly understand like how to make it practical. Like what did that mean to her? And so that inspired me to, um, really start to specialize in it. And I wanted to, um, I just kind of went leaned in and went all in on nutrition. And over the past several years, um, I launched uh, my, I call it my passion project, uh, the food and mood lab um, be, for various reasons. One, clearly um, my mom is a big reason of that, but also just over the years as I've been informally pursuing um, areas of nutrition and health and wellness, it just, it, honestly frustrates me. There's so much information out on the internet. It's just, it's confusing. And it's no wonder why people um, just are are confused and it leads to some cycles of just frustration, guilt, shame. And so I'm really on a mission to kind of break the cycles and help people understand the simple ways to approach um, their health and wellness. And I love that because you're kind of demystifying the whole process because like you said, there's a lot out there where they're like, no, that's bad. Eat this. And then there's another one that says, no, that one's bad. Don't do that. And you're like, I, I had somebody write me last week. I had to contribute to an article about the banana and milk diet. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I it, it's been around for a while. It's actually an old school fad diet that was thought actually of for diabetics. Um, and I, it took all of me not to write what I really thought <laughs> um, and just provide the nutritionist perspective. But um, you know, I mean, it's crazy. There's and that. And to me, like article, like the, our, our media, social media and just media in general sometimes perpetuates this. Like this article wanting to like reboot this and bring back this topic, people are going to read that and be like, oh, I should try eating a banana and milk. And I mean, it's just a waste of time and energy. You can't like, that's not something you sustain. And um, <laughs> it's just not, not practical. That's not a, a practical approach that's going to last. And after a while, you're going to feel like crap and you're going to throw in the towel. And so when I think about food and mood to me, um, you know, my, my perspective is that when you feel good, you're going to stick with it. When you start to feel something different, you're going to do something different. And isn't that what we're, we're, we're trying to, if you're thinking about making changes in your health, I mean, it's, it's a waste to just, uh, to try something and then, days or weeks later, give up on it. And it, you know, and, and actually a lot of people just really get stuck there. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Like I have tried a couple diets where I'm just like, I'm miserable. And I'm <laughs> sure I have fallen into like the pitfalls of fad trends, though I don't think I would have fallen for a banana and milk diet. <laughs> like I think that one would have eluded me. 
I mean, give me a couple milkshakes with banana and milk. I'm all for that. But if I had to like do that day in and day out for a lot, a period of time, um, thinking I was going to lose weight and not to mention, um, a lot of the other nutritional deficiencies of that approach, but we won't even go there. I want to feel like, can we trick people into just doing the healthy thing where you're like, oh, it's this crazy new diet. It's called the 80 ounce water diet and you have to drink 80 ounces of water a day. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, at, I'm actually trying to pitch a new diet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm considering just calling it the CSD diet. Um, or CSD, which is called common sense diet. It won't sell. It probably won't be marketed because it's really, there's nothing complicated about it. There isn't a 80 ounces or only banana. It's like, it, unfortunately, we live in a world where if there isn't like a trick, a hack or something that sounds different or out of the, out of the ordinary, it's um, not going to get a lot of attention. Yeah, for sure. And are that is that kind of like the base of most of these things is that they are trendy diets and they're not really going to function long term for you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's to me, I mean the the name of the game is sustainability, consistency. I mean, you and so it, I even if you dig into like, I don't mean to go back to the banana and milk diet, but if you kind of like dig into it, and unpack like today's version of that that's out there, the tenets of that diet are actually strong. They're just saying add in some banana milk. Like, but the tenets of that diet uh, or underneath it, they're they're suggesting many of the things that are just uh, really advantageous aspects of any healthy diet. And so, yeah, I think that, but the name of the game to answer your question is, are you going to stick with it? Because if you aren't going to stick with it, then you'll, whatever weight you lose short term on the, you fill in the blank diet, you'll probably, you know, rebound back and, um, and then take some time to figure out what's next. It's like this yo-yo back and forth type of, um, situation. So, you know, it's really, it's, it's, what can you stick to? And does it have some of the healthier characteristics? Like, you know, get rid of junk food, you know, limit your alcohol intake try to eat a combination, eat some veggies. I mean, some basic stuff. If anybody's doing that and you have a cheat meal, a piece of pizza, or you do you, do you uh, 10, 20% of the time, chances are over the long run, a year, two, five, you'll keep the weight off and you'll, you'll, it, you'll live a, a, a healthier life. And not what I mean by that is be able to keep up with your kids, feel good, live longer, maybe not get some of the chronic diseases that you hear about. Yeah. And it's one of those where it's like, you don't have to be the 100% person, right? That goes all in all the way, does perfectly on their diet, never cheats. Like 10% better is 10%. And maybe that gets you to 20 and maybe that gets you to 30. And like, eventually you're at a pretty happy place where you're seeing some benefit. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But I think people are want a quick fix. So they're willing to go, they do the big thing or go all in. And um, it just is short lasting. There's a short window for that. And unfortunately, <clears throat> for some people, I feel like, I hope I'm not being prejudiced here, but I do feel like it's oftentimes women. When that situation happens 
and we quote unquote fail or just go off the rails because it was too restrictive. Um, sometimes it, it creates feelings of guilt and shame. And then we cope with those feelings by probably overeating or just beating ourselves up. And sometimes it actually leads to depression and other times a feeling of being stuck for a lot longer than when you even tried the time frame that you tried that restrictive diet. So it's these cycles of, I feel good for a moment and then I can't stick with it. So I beat myself up and then I have these dips and sometimes the dips are pretty low. I see that a lot with women who just um, feel ashamed because they couldn't, they couldn't do it or they're back to square one or put on our weight. And that's like the sad part about it that quite frankly, really motivates me. Um, Cause I, I think along the lines of how you just talked about 10% better. I often talk about like just 1% better. Like, isn't that doable? If you, feel like you can't do all the meal prep or you can't, but maybe you could drink a little bit more water today. Um, maybe you could say no to the sleeve of cookies and have a couple, like a little bit better over time adds up to a lot. So that's a, uh, I have this podcast out there that sometimes even gets me choked up. I talk about the number one, I think I call it like the number one secret to losing weight. And it's actually grace. <laughs> And I really, really do mean that because we spin our wheels when we get into these cycles and um, we can lose time. But if we just kind of turn the page and say, okay, yeah, I didn't have the best day, week, month X, but I'm going to, I'm going to try again. And I'm going to just, I'm going to try to get it like 1% or 10% better is so much better. We technically, technically like we gain back time so we can make up for, um, for some of the losses we may have experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And in some of this, you know, when we talk about food, I want to kind of get this out of the way early because I genuinely don't understand it. <laughs> Anytime I hear people talk about food and their diets or what they're eating, they talk about things like macros. What is all of that? So macros are short for macronutrients, which is a term that's referred to the components that make up food. So for example, that's protein. Oftentimes when people think about their macros, there's a few key ones when we're in the world of weight loss and diet and nutrition, things like total calories. And then part of what when we think about what's making up the calories are those macronutrients. So protein, carbohydrates, fat, and then even underneath that, the types of fat, the fiber. So uh, all of the components that make up what you're eating. Gotcha. It's kind of like looking at the nutritional fact menu on the side of your, whatever you're eating. Yeah. Like and that's an really important thing. Like that, that in itself, I find is pretty educational for people to just like almost like have label literacy. Uh, that that's a great first step, but that's like what you're looking at aren't only the macros, but all of the, the ingredients, but the macros are part of that. And people are often talking about macros because they want to understand what is the, what's the recipe, what's the combination that a person needs to follow so that they can see either weight loss or fat loss, or they, as part of their, um, just kind of balance of, um, of macronutrients in order to get to their goals. Yeah. And are there kind of like a healthy number in there where you're like, you know, you always want to hit these at least in your macros. 
I think so. I mean, um, that we could probably spend the whole hour talking about that. <laughs> and I found that there's um, different answers you get. So if you talk to somebody else, they may have a highly scientific perspective on this. I'm I, I'm the t- I'm the type of person that I like to find break things down to simple approaches. So there are tons of tools you can l- use online that could literally help. It would spit out a number of based upon a set of questions and a little bit of data you entered about weight, age, et cetera, that your um, total calories you should strive for given on your goals. Um, so there's, there is like, there's, you, you start with that, like, okay, how many calories should I be eating every day if I'm a normal active person? And then based on that, um, there's all sort of sorts of schools of thought. Maybe I want to go a little lower carb. Maybe I want to go higher protein. Um, so it just, it does depend on your goals, um, any health conditions you have, but some of the like rules of, uh, sort of guidelines, just general, um, I'm, I'm big on protein intake for most people to, to get, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of about one gram of protein per day, um, as their body weight. And that's a huge, like, like a huge generality, but in general, most people likely aren't eating enough protein in their diet. And there are so many benefits to eating a protein driven diet, not only to um, get like build more muscle mass um, and to, but, but more importantly, um, you know, I have kids that are active. I have a child that has ADHD, a teen. And so some of these other factors about like just balancing blood sugar and feeling satiated, not snacking, not having that hangry feeling, all of that. And and from my perspective, a lot of that comes down to making sure you're eating balanced meals and snack that snacks that are um, led with good quality protein. So uh, you'll hear, you'll, you'll see in any of my blogs, like I do push a higher or a focus on protein because it has so many benefits. Interesting. And in that, you know, we had talked about how failing in some of these diets and feeling bad about yourself, like it really drags the mood down. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, part of your, your whole thing is like the food and mood lab, because you said food can improve your mood as well. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, there's, there's a ton of science, um, depending on how you want to take the conversation, but there's an abundance of research that shows that there are direct impacts on your mental health um, based upon how you fuel your body. And um, I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's been proven that if you eat a diet that's loaded with whole foods, meaning not crap or processed foods, fried foods, things in a bag, if you eat the better fats, that are, that have omega-3s, like they, there's been studies that have shown that it doesn't only affect the gut, it passes through the gut and, and passes through the blood brain barrier and can help improve the signs of depression and anxiety. So there's tons, I mean, honestly, this is the, this is one of the reasons that gets me all jazzed up because I'm um, not to say that people would abandon their uh, medicines, but uh, depending on their condition. But if you're the average person, you have the ability, you have these levers that you can push and pull 
that can help you to feel better mentally. Your, your mental health is a direct impact of sometimes how you move as well as what you put your in your body. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes, you know, we use those comfort foods where you're like, oh, this is what makes me feel better in the moment when I'm feeling really down. And it sounds like that kind of leads into a pretty vicious cycle where like that food is dragging you down. And then the lower you feel, the more you eat that food and then the worse <laughs> you feel. hundred percent. You know, I talk a lot about like energy snags and, um, you know, our, our short term thinking. Oftentimes we do, we do want that comfort. We want to feel like that immediate gratification. And, um, but it's like, unfortunately it's this nasty cycle. So you eat, you get your Popeyes or you eat your, you eat your burgers and fries and you feel good. So temporarily, it literally will spike your blood sugar and then you'll crash. And then you'll feel, not only do you feel the negative effects of the food, but then you feel like crap because you ate like crap. Like you just like the, you, you're beating yourself up because you made some choices that probably if you're the person who doesn't normally eat that way. Um, but if you have repeatedly done this, you might start to feel bad and make yourself feel worse because you're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking steps to actually feel better. I'm having that milkshake, doing the things that just that sugar, it's um, almost exactly the same effect as alcohol or drug. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, but we, we choose that. The, we're talking about food as the as a substance. Yeah. And then some of this, like, you know, the more you eat and you feel bad, you start eating more. You start to do it like I know there was a period of, of point in my my life where I was like eating really late into the night. And yes. that would be like that would drag me into the next morning. Like I would wake up and I'm like, oh, God, I should not have had that burger. Like, why yeah. did I eat that right before bed? Yeah, there, there's a, you know, some people will tell you it doesn't matter what time of day you eat, but I'm of the perspective and the research that I've looked at. There is something to be said about not, like there's some science that shows that you'll sleep better because your body isn't busy digesting. I mean, that's using energy. And um, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with somebody just about the benefits of, improving your sleep and stopping eating. I, I try to stop eating no later than eight. Um, and it, it kind of, this sort of this topic sort of bleeds a little bit in, in, into intermittent fasting, but I still think there's benefits if not even going too long, but just stopping eating in so many ways, just your body gets a break. And um, there's some really great things that happen when your body takes a break from digesting. It actually, um, there's this thing called autophagy, where if you go a nice break of, of fasting, like you stop after dinner and you wait until morning, it's actually almost like the clearing the cash out of your computer. It happens with your brain. And it's a just an added benefit of the digestion break of just the break and fast, not to mention just um, your, your body isn't busy burning up those calories and the heavy meal, especially if it's with lots of sugar or fats, is not sitting... Um, and driving up inflammation in your body while you're trying to rest. Because that time when we're sleeping, our body is really, it's busy, it's recovering, it's resetting. And when it has the added tasks of digesting something really heavy and doing all that filtering, um, you're going to wake up feeling groggy and kind of, you know, not, maybe not feeling at your best. Yeah. And just while we're there, I'll ask you real quick, how do you feel about intermittent fasting, pro or against? 
Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, but I am a fan of it in a way that works for you. Like I, I am not someone who's tried two or three day fast just because honestly, I just love food too much. <laughs> I just don't want to be away from food. And I, I, so I do try, uh, there's so many ways to do intermittent fasting or time restricted eating. That's also TRE is also another way people look at it. So there's a number of different approaches. I have found that just stopping after I eat dinner and then I wait, depending on when I stop, I wait um, about 16 hours, 15 to 16 hours. Um, I find I just lose weight. Um, and I, I just, if I need uh, to um, be in a, a phase of where I'm leaning or just, I do that, I just feel better. Um, and, but that might be new to some people. So even, even just starting like, um, and one of the other benefits and people I talk to that are really looking to become healthier, nothing, you're generally not eating because you, you really need to eat after eight, uh, unless six, seven, eight, like if you eat a big dinner and let's say hours later, you need a little snack. But I, I feel like, um, a lot of times the majority of calories consumed at night after dinner are generally unhealthy calories and unnecessary calories. So that to me is just an added benefit. I think you um, can sometimes consume less by intermittent fasting just by the nature of the shorter window. And you, I just end up getting in good habits because I stop eating. And, um, but I do believe that it doesn't need to be an everyday thing. I, you know, I'm going to come back to being practical and real. That's just, um, you know, I'm, so five days a week, four days a week uh, is, is okay to still see those benefits from intermittent fasting. But then you have to allow time to make sure your body doesn't get too accustomed to that. Because anytime our bodies stick with the same thing time and time again, um, it gets used to it and our metabolism can sometimes stall a little bit. So doing it a couple days a week or every other day, um, whatever rhythm can work for you is, is my, uh, my advice. Gotcha. You kind of pull in a fast one on your body where it's like, Hey, wait. <laughs> right. And it all goes back to like, if it's going to be too hard to stick with, what about brunch on the weekends or breakfast in bed? And so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have this blog and my website I called keep it real. <laughs> and like, it's my keep it real talk. And I just, I think that there, um, you know, and there are, there's definitely like the extreme or the top end of the range that want to do that and can do it or need to for whatever reasons. But um, the vast majority, you know, you need to feel if, if I told you that two days a week you go, you, you eat normally, um, you probably be like, oh, that's a cool diet. I'd want to like, I'm okay with that. And you could plan for that. There's a likelihood you'd stick to the other, the rest of the week and, uh, and, you know, and eat pretty healthy. Yeah. And I had kind of looked, you know, at your website to, to just look around. And I saw that you had a whole thing about relaxing, like how food is impacting or relaxing. And I'm very curious. Well, I think it all goes back to the combinations of foods that we eat. So there's a food, there's a combination of foods that we can eat that make us feel more satiated. And when we feel more satiated and like at ease, that can contribute to um, just feeling more relaxed. And when I think about food and mood, a lot of times my 
perspective is not only nutrition, but like nutrition, mindset, and movement are typically kind of the three, three aspects of the recipe for the relaxation or what have you. But as it relates to food, when we're pairing foods together, you can, you can just feel that, that sense. Um, have you ever had like the perfect meal and you just felt good, not too full, not still hungry. And you just, you know, felt good. You felt energy, clear minded. So there's actually some great combinations of foods that can like inspire or just help you to feel a little more relaxed. Okay. Like what? So for example, I, I, one of the best combinations to me is a serving. So a small handful of nuts and my top choices are almonds, um, as well as, um, maybe Brazil nuts or, um, walnuts as well. And a liter of water. So if you, if you were to just hydrate and have that perfect snack of nuts, cause it has a really good blend or good combination of protein and, and good fats, um, fish, um, especially the fattier fishes like salmon with some leafy greens. And again, some really like good, like hydration along with that, um, just can make you feel, um, just make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking to get a good, comfortable relaxation after this. So I'm going to grab some, some nuts. Um, no, that's awesome. And the other thing that I had saw that I was like, all right, I don't know what this is. And I'm also very, very curious is you have a section about mocktails and I don't know what a mocktail is. Oh, wow. So if you do a Google search of mocktails, you're going to blow your mind. It is, I, it is a hot topic. It has been but it's been like I'm finding now, especially just after the New Year's, um, there's some really, and, and, you know, dry January is a, have you ever heard, have you heard of dry January? I just this year heard of dry January. Yeah. So I don't know if it's new or if I just missed it. Yeah, it's, it's been a thing. I think it's growing. There's some momentum and it's, it's uh, growing in popularity. And in fact, I would tell you, I've done some pretty extensive research on the whole Mock, let me first answer your question. Mocktails are a, um, it's just sort of a hack on a cocktail. It's got, it's a, feels like it's a cocktail in a glass or it's, or it's in a, um, it looks like it, but it has zero alcohol. So it's, it's a mocking and in, in not in a funny way, but it's just a substitute for a alcohol um, based drink, except it has no alcohol or a zero proof alcohol, which is a, is a thing. Did you know that there's zero proof? <laughs> I did not know there was zero proof. Is that like for a flavor effect? Yeah, but the market is booming. I mean, it's like literally it's projected to be it's on the same path, billions of dollars, but the same path as trajectory as, a, as the plant-based movement. And what's interesting is People who are filling their baskets with alternatives, because you can look at there's hop water, there's adaptogens, which are like nutrients that are may help relax you. There's all sorts of new drink options that might not even have anything to do with an alcohol substitute, but are just a, a variation of alcohol based or water that um, taste good and have um, some nutrients that might make you feel a little relaxed. So there's this whole market that's booming. And there are also celebrities that are backing many of these brands like Katy Perry, 
Um, I just saw another celebrity recently introduce their brand. Oh yeah. Um, Blair, she's married to the really hot guy. She's, um, <laughs> there's also the people that are people who you might know of. So you have this celebrity like stamp on it and <clears throat> there are tons of wineries that are investing in ways to improve the flavor of wine by from de-alcoholizing it. So it's, it's on the rise. And, um, but what's filling people's um, grocery baskets, people who are, who are filling their ba- baskets per, um, rather are people who are also might have beer in there, mm-hmm. beer or other alcohol related drinks. So it's really interesting to me that it just tells me that people you know, are curious and they're open to cutting back on alcohol, which is a good thing because there's absolutely no benefit to alcohol. I mean, there's really, there's, I mean, it's um, the World Health Organization just released last week a statement that said there's literally no amount of alcohol that has any benefit. There used to be, um, you know, out there that a, a glass of wine specifically because of the reservatrol that they thought that, you know, in moderating would be okay, but um, that it's making news. Um, and finally, and many of the research studies are coming out just talking about how bad it is. It causes cancer. It does a lot of things that really aren't good for you. So it's cool that people are willing to experiment and just say, hey, what, what would it, what does it taste like to have this alternative? And um, I'm really, I'm really stoked. There's a lot of great options um, that, and, and options, Years ago, you could only really get an alcohol alternative or a mocktail that was ridiculously high in sugar. In fact, unless you're looking for it, you know, you know to look for low sugar components of a mocktail. Most people, I know they're being healthier by choosing a mocktail, but they're usually like loaded with sugar, just the syrups or the juices. Um, but the industry's changing and there's a lot of great alternatives that are not only healthy for you um, because they're, they don't have as much, uh, they don't have alcohol, but also they're low sugar and lower calorie options now too. Yeah. I had seen some pretty good jokes where it was like, we wonder why, you know, if there's aliens, they wouldn't want to visit. And then it cuts to some, an alien and they're like, so you drink this and it makes you sick and dizzy (laughs) and it hurts your liver. And that's good for you. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, we love it. It's our favorite thing. <laughs> I know. And I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm, I go through stints of being alcohol free. Um, I just call myself more like sober curious. And I, 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 I feel like I will drink what I want when I want, but my whole like shtick is now in my mind, alcohol has to be small and irrelevant. And I feel like I'm a fairly average, normal person. I mean, I do in my history with my husband and friends, like we love our, our, in the past, love our bottles of wine. I even have a wine room in my house, but over time, you know, I've observed as I've educated myself on truly like the harmful effects of, of it. And I'm, as I get older and I just feel worse, even ever having less alcohol, it just caused me to get more curious and read up on it. Um, It's a sneaky little witch. Like you, you know, you think it, it's one of those things that can really catch up with you. You can, you know, as a, as a coping mechanism, I mean, I'll have 
a glass of wine, uh, which inevitably turns into two because we open a bottle and we share it. And I will not have had wine for a long time. And then a day later, I'm thinking, let's do it again. It's, it's uh, science and evidence is proven that it, it is the most addictive substance in our country. It's ethanol and it's the most highly addictive substance, but it's such a sexy thing. Like whether you are so romanticized and so like it is just so accepted in our society that that's how you hang out and that's how you relax. But um, I don't know. Like, I think, I think the tides are turning and I know for me it is because I'm, I think I'm on the other side of it and I, I, I love the energy I have and, so many other things, the benefits that come along with um, not drinking and not drinking as much. For sure. So what is your favorite mocktail? Like if you had to pick one, and I mean like really had to pick one, like you're on a desert island and for some reason you have all of the supplies for just this one type of mocktail. What is your go-to? I call it a strawberry smash. It's the simplest thing, especially if I'm on an island and it's warmer. I um, take a bunch of strawberries. First of all, I'm all about the experience. So get a good glass. Like there's, so if I'm stranded, I will have packed a, a beautiful wine glass with me. Sure. <laughs> I, I think anything, everything tastes better in a nice wine glass. And so um, you put a bunch of strawberries in the glass and you can rim the glass with whatever lime or a little bit of sugar and make it really awesome. But I'm talking a solid handful of strawberries, squeeze of lime and some mint, muddle it. And then you add whatever seltzer you want. And I have done this experiment where I've said, I'm going to just share this mocktail with you. Every single person is like, this is amazing. I could absolutely, if, if you gave me this at five o'clock, I would drink this over my glass of wine or what have you. So it's just refreshing. It's really, it, it's got a hints of sweet sweetness, but it's only from the strawberries. It's not, doesn't have high sugar content. And so it's, it's refreshing and you're actually hydrating. So it's what, it's my go-to. And I, by the way, I probably have a dozen mocktails that I make here and there. And I don't know. I keep going back to this one. It's just super refreshing. It's pretty too. Yeah. And you, you're like, you get to play with the splash of color and the fun yeah. glass and like, you know, just explore and kind of have a good fun time with it. I like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I had a couple listener questions cause I know I got you on a tight deadline here. So, um, the first one, I happen to know what they're talking about and I think they asked it because of one of my early guests <laughs> way back at the start of the show. So they asked David, thank you, David. Can we cut grain entirely to reduce our cancer risks? Oh, um, I would have to do a little bit more research specifically on like cancer. Um, I, I know that there are some people that have to be careful of grain, um, certain types of grain because of gluten, but I am not aware of the direct cancer links and grain. I mean, if that were the case, wow, we'd have some serious problems like just uh, a in our economy. But I mean, there are all sorts of grains that um, people can choose from that some are healthier than others. But let me let me keep thinking about that. I've done a lot of research on he healthy 
um, and research around different types of foods. And that isn't popping into my mind, like the link between grains and cancer. But I, um, I promised that I'd follow up with you and get David back an answer. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, I'm trying to remember his name, but we did, I had a doctor on and he had recommended like as part of his treatment for cancer. And that was part of his, like, you know, I had cancer and this is what I did. He goes, I cut processed grain. And I think that's oh, a, it's like, refined grains. Yeah, it's a very important difference. Yeah, that, like he said, you know, the processed grains like are just not designed for our bodies. Like, yeah, and so I think it's important like to understand like what are refined grains because you know they're what was throwing me off a little bit is like I'm like wow I've heard the opposite but it's whole grains have been linked to a reduction of um, certain cancers. But um, so refined grains are really removing uh, like the shell of the grain, like the germ and the brand typically. Um, and the reason why we even have these out there is because they have a longer shelf life. So um, it, I think it's, it, it, it means that it might be more profitable for some companies to have refined grains. Um, but what sucks is that when you eat refined grains, it's removing more of the fiber, if not all the fiber. And so when you think of types of foods, we're talking about like white rice and white breads and things like pastries, cakes, and crackers. So yeah, I guess the answer would be yes, if we insert the word refined in there. And, um, you know, the name, the name of the game, if anybody's interested in reducing cancers or just some of those chronic diseases we hear about all the time, looking at the fiber content and foods is absolutely key. It, foods that have high, high, fiber is sort of this magic ingredient that is so good for your gut. It's actually creating some good bacteria in your gut, which does all these incredible things, delivers all the benefits that you hear about for the, for the um, gut microbiome, but it's about the fiber. And fiber, you know, is naturally in fruits and vegetables. That's why um, you hear these recommendations to eat more of those. But you, if you study the label, you can, you can quickly see what, if it's refined or not. And um, a quick glance on the fiber content will be a good indicator, but in the list of ingredients as well. Interesting. I didn't know any of that about fiber. So now I'm going to look out for it. Oh yeah. Get your fiber. Fiber, I mean... I share that, that if you haven't eaten a lot of fiber, definitely ease into it because your stomach might need a little time to adjust. Um, so, but yeah, ease into it. But a higher fiber diet is like low, like there's so many great things that it does for you. Awesome. Well, hopefully, David, that answers your question. We clarified a little bit. Um, the other yeah. one that I had right here is from Mary. And I think this is a fun question to end on kind of see what your see what your opinion is she asks if you could ban three foods for the good of all humankind what would they be oh wow three foods i love these questions they're great so i'll think on the fly one of them is cereal i think the sugary cereal um and we have a lot of tension in our house around cereal it's we call it a weekend food um, because my kids just <clears throat> will eat a box of it at a time. Uh, it can be expensive. It's loaded with sugar. I mean, the good stuff like 
meaning the, the when I say good stuff, I mean what a kid would define, uh, like the Lucky Charms or the <laughs> just Captain Crunch, yeah, the Captain Crunch. Yeah, I just checked the back of that. It has almost a serving, which is not a big size, has as much sugar as a candy bar, um, and so. And it also has fake coloring. Many of them, um, like Fruit Loops, have fake coloring in them, and uh, a specific coloring that um, isn't healthy for you either. So, I'd start with cereal. There's so many other breakfast alternatives that could be better and still taste really yummy. So, I'd start with cereal. I would also add sugary drinks um, and just kind of soda in general. Because even if you look at diet sodas, everything that makes it diet is super unhealthy for you. Like there's a ton of research that shows that all those fake sugars um, can lead to um, just some like cancer and other things. So I'd say sugary drinks like soda and just soda, including diet soda in general. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard for some people, but um, go with the water or some healthier flavored water options. Um, so those are the first two. Let me think here for, um, I say this is an important one. It's the, it's the last one you can eliminate. So this is a big decision. Um, I would say, cause I am a big fan of moderation. Like I don't want, I'm not a, a healthy, uh, extreme here because I, you know, like, I'm not going to say candy because my kids love candy, but we're just not going to eat candy every day. Um, <clears throat> we're going to eat it, eat it on a, let's say, I'll, I'll think, give me, give me just a couple more seconds. Aha. I would say nuggets. Okay. Like if you, if you go, if you go take a bite of a nugget, whether you go through your favorite fast food and you look at what you're eating, it doesn't look like what I get in terms of chicken. So there's so much processed stuff that happens. Even if you were to go get um, a bag of um, nuggets from the grocery store, just so highly processed. And there are a hundred different ways to make those quick and easy at home. So I would say it's confusing to most people because they think they're eating somewhat healthy because there's chicken, but it's really not. It's just highly processed and um, so fried and bad for you, but it's, they're so addictive, especially the, typical drive-through. So those would be my top three. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know where this was going to go. I saw this question in advance and I was like, okay, interesting. I I know. I did have a kind of similar thought in my initial, I was like, okay, like obviously soda's bad, but I do enjoy it, which is problematic. But one of the things I had thought about was like, you know, a processed like meat goo. Well, it's good like hot dogs some of the like fast food chains where it's just like there's a goo that they just like squeeze into a thing and that becomes your meat i don't love that so i'm like i would probably no. it, even though it's probably tastes good in the moment i totally agree with you i mean but i, I just i think it's probably important to leave on this message like we're surrounded by like fast food options and foods that might not be the healthiest foods so I'm I'm of the belief that if I ban that entirely with my family, they're just going to resist um, as well as just a client that's coming to me that wants to make healthy changes. I think it's not any surprise, but moderation, if you're eating healthy 80% of the time 
and you allow those opportunities to have your hot dog goo, if that's what you really like, but that's an exception. Um, I just think you're going to be happier. If that's what you really need to have to feel like, man, I feel that was my, as the thing that I really wanted, that's probably going to keep you eating healthy. So it's a lot harder to do, but that approach is oftentimes the most successful. Yeah, I think that's good. Well, I know I got to get you out of here, but I wanted to give you a moment to kind of let people know where they can find you if they're looking for more of you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for asking that. And I really do appreciate the opportunity. Um, I've got a pretty significant presence out there on Facebook. So it's Food and Mood Lab. I would love to get more people involved in the conversation. Um, foodandmoodlab.com is the website. You can subscribe to the blog there. I'm also out on Instagram on Keep It Real with Amy. Uh, but that's, uh, you can check me out on foodandmoodlab.com and then Facebook Food and Mood Lab. Awesome. Well, I hope people check those out and they follow up with you and we make some healthier choices moving forward for the betterment of our entire <laughs> lives, really. You bet. And I'll, uh, I'll keep listening to your podcast. There's some great topics that I need to be schooled on. So I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you so much. I've appreciated your time immensely. Thank you. Take care. Do you feel more educated after this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If so, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. If you really liked it, remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the now over 100 episode backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Or send a message on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else you find us. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. We're in the final stretch with the updated January rankings. Number one, the United States, still led by top states Texas, Oregon, and California. Number two, the United Kingdom. Number three, Australia still led by Victoria, giving New South Wales a real hard time this month. Number four, Canada, with Ontario overtaking British Columbia for the top province. And number five, New Zealand, with a whole lot of others right behind it trying to get into that spot. Anyway, that's it for today. I'll see you all Thursday to find out what's wrong with our caveman brain. Buh bye bye